0: Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to tonight's edition of Students for Better Future Radio. I'm your host, Doreen Laguardia Senko, with
1: Crystal Acosta, and we
2: The first priority on an active school shooting is to stop the killing. You don't wait for the SWAT team. You don't hide behind a car. If you're armed, whether as a school resource officer or a first patrol officer, you go after and engage the shooter. This week we found out four sheriff's deputies hid behind a police car as Nicholas Cruz, an armed assassin with an AR-15, slaughtered 17 at the Marjory Stoneman Douglas High School. Now, Broward County Sheriff Scott Israel says he was outraged and surprised when he saw the video of one of his deputies doing nothing as innocents were massacred. Surprised? Why didn't you know about this on the night of the killings? Did you not set up a mobile command center, a unified command center where officers from multiple agencies go back to the command post to brief on what has happened? Do you not know? Any of this because you were too busy making media rounds, deflecting and redirecting the outrage and fury that should have been directed at you by your going after instead the NRA and Dana Lash. Believe me, there's enough blame to go around, but you and only you had an officer assigned to that school, Sheriff Cruz, who's, uh, Sheriff Israel whose job was to protect children. So why only two days ago did we find out what you had to know the night of the shooting? Neighboring police department Coral Springs, they were outraged at the failure and dereliction of duty on the part of your officers. Coral Springs provided the necessary mutual assistance by immediately storming the school. They are the unsung heroes here. They were shocked your deputies were hiding behind their cars. In fact, the Coral Springs police chief wrote, quote, another agency has given the impression it provided the majority of rescue efforts, but the truth will come out in time. Well, Chief, the truth is out. It was Coral Springs Department that arrested the dirtbag shooter. Crews came out of a blue and white and not a green and white. Now, I've been in law enforcement for over three, three decades, and you don't have to be a cop to know that those who carry a gun and wear a badge are sworn to protect the innocent. But we shouldn't be surprised, Sheriff, that your deputies didn't storm and engage an active shooter, given what you've said in the past. You actually said if you have a lone wolf assassin, and this is your quote, there's nothing you can do. Really? Nothing you can do? Pray tell, Sheriff, did your guys even have active shooter training? When was the last time you did an active shooter drill? Do they know how to breach a door like Coral Springs did when they got there? Do they know not to be afraid to engage a shooter? Do they even have the appropriate equipment like a steel-plated ballistic rifle vest and a helmet that can easily take an AR-15 round? Instead, they hide like wusses waiting for the cavalry to arrive as if the suspects were barricaded and nothing was happening. Coral Springs knew to immediately engage and use bow cutters on the fences to go through locked doors to carry the kids out. And, Sheriff, you don't know when people are dying. You immediately breach, enter, and engage. But beyond that, Sheriff, it's even more outrageous. You, your department, got 18 calls about his violence, his threats to shoot up the school before he actually followed through and killed 17 people. These warnings concerned everyone, it seems, but you. When you had the power under the Florida Bakers Act to have this kid involuntarily committed for a psychiatric assessment, you did nothing. How dare you trumpet your handling of this situation, hiding what your officers did and blaming others? The buck stops with you. But then again, Sheriff, you're the bozo who couldn't figure out how to police, admitting that you failed to seize control and set up an effective command center after the deadly shooting at the Fort Lauderdale airport. You yourself were highlighted for a lack of leadership. I spoke with the sheriff today who said, well, maybe their walkie-talkies didn't work, or maybe they didn't know whether the shooter was on the first floor or the second floor. Hogwash. I don't care if the shooter was on the first floor, the second floor, or hanging from the roof. If children are bleeding out and dying and these towers with guns are waiting to do what? If you can't figure out to advance and take out the threat when imminent death is undeniably apparent, where you could have saved the lives of the helpless bleeding out on the floors in the place of learning, then it's time for you to resign sheriff Israel and get the hell out, or at the very least be recalled by the people of Broward county
3: amen she was she was she was she was too nice she was too nice even. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it
3: goes it goes it goes beyond it incompetence. Yeah, it goes beyond incompetence. This was I I can say it and I will say it, this was done on purpose for political reasons. You know, second amendment gun control. That 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 that, that, that that's the reason. They wanted that to happen. And they let it happen. So. Yeah, now they're being called and, out for it. Luther, go
0: ahead. Let it rip. Just let it rip.
4: Well, they're being called out now. I mean, that's on Fox 2 News. The people see them that. This little game they're playing is going to – they're looking pretty bad, these liberals and these rhinos. These are the people, these blue dog rhinos and these liberals. They're not about freedom. They're dictators. They want to fade out the middle class, and they want to disarm us. Rich man, poor man. That's what they want
0: with this country. Uh, Cisco, is there a such thing as a stand-down disorder? Uh, I'm sorry, not stand-down disorder.
3: I, I, I stand have down. never heard of that. I've never heard of that. No.
0: Because according, I mean, I've watched the tapes too. According, And even the stuff I've seen, it seems like the police were just, the Broward County police were just with their guns drawn behind the car outside. Why the shooters yeah. were inside?
3: Well, yeah, okay. This, and, and shooting up. This, this had to come from the top. These four deputies are not going to take into their own hands doing that unless it came from the top. That's that's that's. I'm I'm so convinced that that's the case. They were following orders. But,
0: you know what? I I think we we want to uh, we want to break on our tax money because we're supposed to pay for that for stuff. And you know, when you go into law enforcement, you understand the risks. Yeah. And look, if if they're not going to defend me in something like this, what the hell do I need them for? So our taxes pay for that. Why should, you know, why should the money go for something like that?
3: Well, this, this sheriff is, is totally, totally driven by the political aspect of it, not by the law enforcement aspect of it. So that's uh, – uh, 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 and, and it's been proven with the photo, photo, photo uh, ops that he's been having, and, and we, we know where he leans his, his, uh, his loyalty to. Well,
4: I think I see what a picture standing next to Hillary Clinton. Exactly. Said.
3: So that's I do <laughs> But anyway, I think I think um we can see if we can bring in Dr. Nathanson.
0: Yes, I'm gonna bring in Dr. Nathan Um tonight's topic quote um we're gonna be talking about men's studies and the rights of the uh the rights of men. Um so often in the past you know, we've discussed women's rights, you know, rights for pretty much everybody else. Um, but the rights for men basically have not been discussed too much. And I think it's about time that we need to take a look at this. Um, you know, and I mean rights in almost in every way, you know, even on college campuses, you know, to jobs, to Whatnot. So I'm going to bring on a fellow by the name of Dr. Paul Nathanson, um, and he, he's going to be discussing this. He was actually studying this field it's called misandry for about 30 years. Um, so let me see if I can get him on the line. Hold on a second.
3: Hello, Dr. Nathanson. How uh, are yes. you? Good
0: evening. Fine, thank you. <coughs> yes, Dr. Nathanson. This is Doreen Stanko. I'm also the host of our radio show tonight, and yeah. okay. um, I'd like to welcome you, welcome you to our radio show. Um, uh, I've understand you've been studying, um, uh, spent thirty years studying, doing research on misandry. Sandry. If, that, yeah. if that's how I say it right. Because um, we're going to be talking about men's interests tonight, and um, if you can give us a little bit of background, that would be awesome.
1: Background about the research.
3: Yes. Yes. Yeah, we can go into the research first, and 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 then uh, we can go into uh, into real real life stories, uh, situations like mm-hmm. like the, like the fl- Florida situation with the young men.
1: Yes. Yes. Um, are we on the on on the air now? Yes, we are. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, okay. Well, uh, I began to work with uh, my colleague uh, Catherine Young on a series. Well, we started off to write one book, and uh, we ended up with four, and we have two more in the wor- in the works. Um, um, on um, and our topic was um, Miss andre sometimes known as misandry. Um, Catherine has a background uh, doing research on uh, the women of India. Her field is uh, Hinduism. And uh, Mm -hmm. I have done work on, um, I had done work on on men in the West. So we seem like an ideal combo. And, Well, uh, we've just tried to cover a lot of territory. Most of it had been um, untouched by anyone. I mean, uh, and that's one of the good things about research. If you can find a topic that nobody cares about and no one has written about, uh, then you can be creative. Um, So over the years, we we had some... um, hostility from other academics Uh, when we give talks um, we sometimes get um, protesters we gave a talk in Toronto about a year or two ago and the subject of our talk was intersexual dialogue now that sounds to me like a pretty inoffensive uh title but the protesters came out and um clearly did not want anything even remotely like dialogue between men and women. So that's a, that's a, a comment on the state of things. Um, what's more disturbing, though, is that this is no longer confined to um, college campuses. Uh, you know, college campuses have been um, notorious for uh, harboring radical fringe groups um, but they were, in fact, fringe groups. Now they're mainstream. This is the big, this is what's (laughs) changed in the past few months. Um, You know, I have been warning people of what's going on in the academic world for for decades, and people said, oh, you know, really, who cares what's going on in the universities? Well, now the chickens have come home to roost. We have, uh, you know, I read the New York Times every day, and I I am truly shocked at how a great newspaper has become a a vehicle for propaganda. Without any apology, um, they have hired a staff specifically in order to promote feminism. And by feminism, I would say not even the kind of egalitarian feminism that originated in the 1960s, but something much more well, something sinister. Um, so we had uh, an article the other day about Susan Brown Miller who wrote who invented the idea of rape culture in nineteen seventy five and was uh, not given as much attention as she would have liked, according to this interview. Um, but now she's mainstream. Her idea was that all men—and this is how she put it—all men um, use the fear of rape to um, op- manipulate all women. Well, uh, she has no evidence for that. That's her—that's th- a theory. But it's become because it's been repeated so often. That's become a standard fare in some feminist circles. Uh, To the point that the New York Times ran an article a few months ago at the beginning of the Me Too phenomenon. And the article's title was, Yes, It's All Men. So, you know, the Times is a pretty mainstream publication. We're not talking here about the Daily Worker. Uh, The Huffington Post ran a story um, around the same time. Um, And the, um, I think it was Emily McComb. Anyway, she wrote uh, a story about her uncertainty that she could love her own son because he would grow up to be a man. So that tells you something about where we're at. Now, you want to put that together with uh, the Florida shooting, okay, let's do that. Um, well, uh,
3: Dr. Nathan, before you go yeah. on, uh, there's, a, there's also a trend that's coming and it, it, it's going, is some feminists are basically pushing that they want to eliminate the term men because it's offensive.
1: Yes, well... You know, uh, 30 or 40 years ago, when I was doing my undergraduate degree, um, women were spelling their word W-O-M-Y-N, so they wouldn't have to contaminate themselves with the word men.
0: Right. So then the men, shouldn't they do something in response, like about men's rights?
1: Well, okay. There have there are in fact several men's movements. Um very few of them I would say are likely to be effective. Some of them are 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 aimed at men who are angry about specific problems such as uh losing custody of their children or divorce problems. Um these men are not necessarily interested in misandry, although they acknowledge that they have been treated in that way. Um, and then there are men's rights groups. And uh, there's nothing exactly wrong with that. Men should have rights, like any other citizens, Um except that I think the problem is not so much, I I prefer not to talk about this problem in terms of rights. I think there's a a profound moral problem here that that goes far deeper than any legal rights. Um, So um, there's a group that I am associated with in Canada. It's called the Canadian Association for Equality. And they talk less about you know doctrine or ideology um, they simply get doing things that men need they set up a shelter for um men who uh, vi- male victims of domestic violence um they do co- they cooperate with work on on um on rape they Um, So they they just do things that need to be done, and uh, it seems to be very effective. Um, Then there were a few, I don't know if they're still going, but there was a movement. It was known as the mythopoetic movement associated with um, this guy Bly. I forget his first name. Um, Anyway, that was basically, I think, a knockoff. Of various feminist groups that were trying to rediscover you know their own spirituality, and they were would gather for some of them became witches uh and they would gather and um talk about women's spirituality and uh, so these men's groups tried to do the same sort of thing and they they went off into the woods and they beat their tom toms and they Tried to rediscover their primal screams or whatever i'm I'm being facetious here but it's not I'm not too far off the mark um, they ransacked the world's mythology to find myths that would suit modern men um, as if we were going to somehow become um, Ndembu or or Shawnees um, so, I don't know, I wasn't very satisfied with any of those movements. Um, but there is a response, I'll tell you one thing, there is a response of men today. Five years ago, there would not have been as many men who are outraged by what's going on in the Me Too movement, uh, or in response to the the, the shooting in uh, Florida, Right, men are speaking up I mean that is happening and they're not going back in the closet um, so it's a beginning I would say and in fact even women are are looking around and saying what the hell is going on here what is being said in my name as a woman um, yeah. so I would say things are changing you know we've come to a low water mark I mean to the point where we have vast numbers of citizens who are are deliberately undermining the rule of law right they want to get rid mm-hmm. of the, the presumption of innocence they want to get rid of due process uh now maybe maybe that is so um extreme that even feminists are saying what the hell is going on here
3: right but what, what, where, where do you see this whole movement by the feminist groups and even by the media that's perpetrating this constant push to really crucify men yeah. in general? I mean, yeah. where where do you see this direction, and why? What what is the the, the end goal? The end, the end goal of of, of, of these individuals?
1: Get rid well. Of that. Well, if you uh if you look at feminist ideology, and I'm not talking about Betty Friedan, I'm talking about, you know, Catherine McKinnon and Andrea Dworkin and Robin Morgan and Marilyn French and um even Gloria Steinem, although she's small fry. Um, what they want is a revolution and uh, a social revolution and okay, they've okay. learned they've learned that to have a revolution, you no longer need to go out in the streets and man the barricades. You can change laws. In a democracy, you can have a revolution simply by changing legislation, by having bureaucrats administer laws, uh, the enforcement of laws, in ways that favor your own group. So that is what's going on. And the revolution is one that Ultimately depends on destroying the family because the family is considered the heart, uh, the beating heart of patriarchy. So women can never, they believe, uh, they can women can never achieve um, autonomy and freedom uh, as long as the family exists well right. there there you know the news is that the family is in terrible shape um and that I think is where I want to come to with the the Florida shooter Yes. Uh, um now you know there are people propose several um explanations for this there some people say look this is it's just a matter of guns, get rid of the guns, you get rid of the problem. I disagree, ah. yes. I disagree mm-hmm. and I'm not frankly I'm you know I'm Canadian I'm not part of this American this this eternal debate in the states about gun control but I but just from my vantage point in this conversation, I would say that controlling guns will not uh, create healthy male citizens. It will decrease the damage but it will not solve the problem. Now, other people say that the problem is that these boys um, are are pathological. They're they're just... um, They're insane, Uh, but you know what? Most of them are not insane. They don't have psychotic breaks with reality. They don't have hallucinations. They don't hear voices. Um, They are profoundly disturbed, but they're not mentally insane. And so locking them up either in prison or in, in mental institutions is not going to solve the problem, because there will always be more boys like them out there. Now we're talking about a tiny minority of boys, but even so, it's notable that that these are, these these people are all boys or young men, and I think that needs to be taken seriously so my so other people blame what they call toxic masculinity. Now, that's a smear word. Uh, It used to be called testosterone poisoning, the idea being that testosterone itself, the male hormone, or simply being male, was a pathological phenomenon, and that the only way to, to cure that problem was to make men somehow into women or turn boys into girls. Um, feminize them. Um, now, you know what? That's not working. After half a century of social engineering, it's not working. What's happening is that boys are in general they're giving up. They're dropping out of school at a, at a rate far higher than girls. They're not going to college. 60% of the classes in university uh uh, classes are, are, are women. Um, they're not graduating, they're not going on for doctoral work uh, at the rate of women, which means uh, not only that women are in a much better position to earn um, high pay, but it means that we're creating an underclass of men, of unemployable, uh, uneducated and therefore, unmarriageable men, um, and
0: so the feminists will, will win the revolution if that's what their end game is.
1: Yes, they'll win it, but you know what? It's a, this is a uh, they can't really win because we still have to live together. Men and women still have to live together, so uh it's it's a kind of victory that nobody really wants. Uh, so when you get to the point that women are fretting about how they can even how they can love even their own sons, does that sound like a winner? I don't think so. Um,
3: Doctor, Doctor uh I, I'm curious. I, I lived in Canada for six months in Ottawa, and at that time, and that was in the uh, in the late nineties, and I didn't see. You know the Canadian culture was very open uh in regards to it was very pleasant to to live there. How is it today in regards to the attack on men in in in, in, in your in your country
1: It's no different or it's even worse uh because um at least in the states, there is some opposition to all the social engineering in Canada people just pretend it's not happening. It's The situation is, I think, worse. I mean, we have a liberal government. The, the prime minister announces right. at the very beginning that he's a feminist. Um, okay, let's see what happens. Uh, well, one of the first things he did was to revive um, a legal mechanism that his predecessor in another party um, had abandoned. It's called the Court Challenges Programme and this program gives government money to fund um people who are suing the government uh for discrimination against um four classes of people women racial minorities physically disabled um, I don't there might be another group there but they're defined as historically oppressed people, which means that even if their position rises, as the position of women certainly has, they are still historically oppressed, and therefore this program will never disappear. So it means that I, as a citizen of this country, um, I'm a second-class citizen because the... The entire government is focused on building up groups of people, but at my expense. Now that's not going to work. That's going to. It has created enormous resentment, um, and I think with good reason. I mean, it's not that I don't approve of building up uh, communities that have that are in trouble, but. Uh, when it's done on the basis of uh, collective guilt uh and scapegoating one group of people uh, uh, you know then there's something morally wrong here. this is not justice it's more like revenge right
3: and 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 that whole that whole uh that whole movement that whole push had started with uh what started when when Just, justin trudeau uh, junior came into uh, office, correct?
1: Yes, I mean uh, the the yes, the political uh, mechanisms came in with him. The ideas, of course, were there long before he got there.
3: Right. Because I thought with seven, uh, with uh with Mister Harper, it was it was a bit different. The uh, it, was it was very different. Of- very different, yes. Yeah. Uh, getting okay. back to the Florida, Florida uh, shooter, how do you, what's the perception in, in Canada in regards to, with the press, uh, in regards to what happened in Florida with the, uh, the 19-year-old who started shooting at, uh, and killed so many young people? in regards to the subject that we're we're discussing today?
1: Well, I would say that it's um, not much different from in the States. I think Canadians sort of relish this as an excuse to denounce Americans for having all the guns. I mean, they are focused on the gun thing, and it makes Canadians feel superior because, oh, look, we're better than Americans. We don't have all these guns. Well, uh, I don't... uh, I'm not a big fan of smugness and self righteousness, um, but I, I want to I keep getting. I want to keep getting back to, to this guy, Nicholas Cruz, because um, you know he's the poster boy for everything that is wrong with men, uh, and I think that uh, without getting into any any personal evaluations, if I haven't met him, I don't know anything about him. Except, except, I know one thing about him, uh, that he is uh, fatherless. And that mm-hmm. is a, a, that's a very common part of the profile of these um, high school killers. Most of them, I would say uh, something like 70 or 75% of them do not have fathers and even those who do have fathers live in a society that does not value fatherhood you know we live in a world w- mm-hmm. which says that uh well two mothers can be just as good as a mother and a father
0: mm-hmm. uh
1: so so fathers basically are seen as assistant mothers at best at mm-hmm. worst of course they're potential molesters and what have you but uh they are uh, their assistant mothers, and you know I often ask young men who become fathers, and I say, "Well, what does it mean to you to be a father?" And they say, "They say, well, uh, you know, I'm I'm emotionally close to my children, and I play with them, and I do their diapers, and okay, that's all very fine, mm-hmm. um, and it must be gratifying to them and their children, but that isn't the primary function of fathers." The primary function of fathers does not really begin in infancy, when children are nursing at their mother's breast, um, and mothers give their their infants and their children unconditional love. But what happens when children grow up and they are, you know, they have to gradually enter the larger world? Uh, the job of a father really is uh, to help children learn to earn respect. Whether that respect involves emotional attachment is another matter entirely. It's good if it does, but it's not necessary. What's necessary is that they, children learn that they must um, live in a world in which they have responsibilities, in which they must earn respect by acting honorably. Um, now, you could say well, why can't mothers teach that too? And of course, they can. But if if a mother has to give both messages—both unconditional love and earn respect—there's a contradiction, and children recognize this contradiction. Uh, it, you need a different person to give each of those two messages, and I and I doubt very much if many women are prepared. To distance themselves emotionally from children in order to in order to teach their children about earned respect, you know. So um, now that might maybe someday women will train themselves to do that too. I don't know, but at the moment they don't. Um, and we have a whole generation of boys uh, growing up without fathers or. Uh, or in a world that does not value fathers. Now, my, my point here is, I'm coming to my point. In order to have a healthy identity, whether as an individual or as a group, you have to be able to make at least one contribution to the larger society that is A, distinctive, B, necessary, and C, publicly valued. Now, if you cannot do that, you cannot have a healthy identity. And if you cannot have a healthy identity, uh, some people will say, okay, I'll take a negative identity, thank you very much. That's better than no identity. Well, what is a negative identity? It's one that rejects or abandons society. So that, I think, is part of the context that produces shooters such as Nicholas Cruz. Uh, now he now these shooters might have additional personal problems, but that's the that's the cultural context in which this is happening, and I think we we ignore that to our peril.
0: That's yeah, so, um, well, so, Doc. How, how do we change this? Reverse some of this? Because uh, I'll tell you something. In in our media over here. Everything, almost everything you watch, makes the men look bad. Yes, you know, like Homer, Homer Simpson and all that.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, oh, Homer Simpson is is nothing compared to the Me Too uh, phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we in in one of our books we wrote about popular culture, and we found that, uh, you know, many. Um, many productions, whether they're movies or novels or Harlequin romances or jokes or comic strips, um, many of them are distinctly misandric in the sense that they promote images of manhood that are um, ridiculous or sinister. um, So that in some of these productions, I guess I spent most of my time looking at movies. Um, you know, the the main um the main uh protagonist is a female victim and the main antagonist or villain is a male nutcase. Uh so there were mm-hmm. countless movies about about, you know, women being um murdered and raped and you know and and Victimized in every conceivable way by evil men, um, and some of these movies actually had a—they had a little escape clause. Uh, they said, "Oh, look, we're not Miss Andric." Uh, they didn't use that word, but that's what they meant. We're not Miss Andric. Uh, look, we have a we have um, a minority man who's a good character, or we have a gay man who's a good character. Well, you know, these are these are sort of like what sometimes black people complain about token blacks. We call these men honorary women. So in other words, the only good man is a woman.
0: You know what the the last show I think I can remember where where a man was good in Hollywood, was the show called Father Knows Best.
1: Yes, yes. And you know what? If um, that, that show has been denounced in so many articles and books. It's the one show that they always single out as being the, the, the worst example of patriarchal thinking. Imagine a father who actually knows something about being a father, no other show gets that amount of yeah. abuse.
0: Yeah, and and raising kids and all that. Uh, yes. Uh, so, so we we need to come together and start to reverse this trend a little bit. Because I know well, a lot of things on college campuses, and, and you know, I'm glad that you mentioned that. Well, I recruit on, on there, and, and of course, you're a professor, so you know, um, and, and you're right, it's extended into the real world.
4: I call it one big liberal plan.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Luther. Luther's a member of our panelists. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so, so, Doc, how do we reverse this? C- can, well,
1: you know, can, uh, words, uh, there's, there's,
0: I create a special interest group.
1: Yeah. Well, to, look, the and the short answer is that if I knew the answer, I would have a Nobel Prize. Um, I mean, there's obviously not going to be a simple cure for this disease, this collective disease. Um, but I would say that a place to start uh, would be something – that I call intersexual dialogue, and by dialogue I do not mean ranting at each other, and I do not even mean debate. Debate is a very useful kind of communication, because one side wins and the other loses, but in the process you can establish truth. That's why we have debate in courtrooms, for example. That's why academics Engage in debate, but that does not bring about reconciliation or healing. So, if you if that's your goal, then you have to have another kind of conversation, and that is what I call dialogue. And it, and I base it on work that I used to do on uh, interreligious dialogue. Um, so there's a there's a moral framework to that, and it's a rigorous it's a rigorous discipline. Because it mean, it because it it relies on empathy. You see, you you come to debate not to win something uh, or to denounce someone. You come to debate with, to dialogue with the honest desire to learn something new about the other and to reconcile. Um, so, if that's your motivation, then dialogue is possible. I hate to say it, but. I think that dialogue, I mean, I won't live to see the day when dialogue, oh, you know, peace in the Middle East is more likely at the moment than peace between men and women. It's that bad. So I think we can plan. We can we can plan for, for dialogue. That's a worthy goal. Um, but we have to start a few steps back. And the first thing we need to do is to bring men's voice into the public square because dialogue means two voices now we have women's voice everybody hears a lot from women but we've got to create a legitimate space in the public square for men to speak that's the first thing we have to do
4: well men can't even argue with their wives without being arrested for domestic violence for domestic violence
1: well, <clears throat> well, we just we have to try. I mean, there's. I can't give you any any easy answer here. I. Um, well, one thing we can do. Another thing we can do is. I think we need to revive moral discourse. We need to enable people to think about the moral implications of what they're doing. You know, the Me Too movement is a good example. It's all very well to say that it's therapeutic for women to talk about uh, horrible things that can happen to them or have happened to them. But it's not such a good thing if you don't consider the consequences or the method or the ways in which you're doing it. (laughs) Um, So, in other words... We have to be accountable, always in moral terms, to society. We can't just um, uh, indulge in self-expression or therapy. Or you know, we've got to consider how society is going to come together rather than fly apart with polarization.
4: Well, if men can't be
3: men. How can they be fathers?
1: Well, they can't, not effective ones.
3: Dr. Nicholson, uh I, I, I want to uh, go back to Nicholas Cruz. Where in your eyes do you see in your, in, in your study, in your research, a young man that, that is fatherless? Is there room for these kids that are fatherless to be safe? and become productive uh, members of society.
1: Well, you know, in the past, let's say in earlier generations, I mean, there have always been children without one parent. You know, parents die, they, they get killed in war, they abandon their families. I mean, there are always a few. But when there be exceptions, society can get together, help the exceptions, but without without destroying the fabric that encourages um, a family with two parents. And that's what we've done. We've basically said, two parents, who needs it?
0: Um, Doc, hold remember. on a minute. We have a caller, uh, caller 612. Would you like to ask a question?
1: Yeah. yeah,
4: yeah okay. Yes, ma'am. Um, great great show on. so far. I everything really, yeah, really like what you guys have said. Um, Do you you feel like part of this has to do with uh, the progressives' agenda as far as trying to shift America towards uh, more of a police state as far as having the government kind of micromanage everyone? And do you feel like maybe there's sort of war on men is connected to that where they can kind of weaken the the country uh, from a cultural standpoint?
1: Amen. Well, uh, I think that – I don't think there's a plan – to create a totalitarian state. But I think that many of the things that are happening um, do resemble the kind of authoritarianism of of a totalitarian state. The mere fact that we can be arguing for decades about freedom of speech on college campuses, which are of all the institutions that is designed specifically to encourage free thought, and yet you cannot get free speech on a campus, um or I, when and you can't even say politically incorrect things uh in the public square. Um that begins to that is a totalitarian feature. I mean look at all the communist and Nazi regimes. Uh they tried desperately to to prevent people from thinking for themselves. They had to there was a party line and you couldn't deviate from that without being the equivalent of a heretic. Now that kind of thing is very disturbing, and that is that is coming to prevail in this society.
0: Yeah, um, Cisco, go ahead. yeah,
4: well, yeah no, I, I agree. I, I just wonder. If, the maybe, the I, think uh, I think a lot of Americans sort of naively We thought that the Cold War ended. I feel like the Cold War never ended. It's just that the battlefield changed that the Marxists adopted a totally different strategy. Instead of this whole direct, co- you know, combat like we had between the Soviet Union and America, they decided to sort of get into America and destroy from the If you notice they seem to have effectively controlled all the major spheres of influence, whether it's the state system, whether it's entertainment media or news media. And I feel like they you know, we see this in the university level. I mean, that's basically the sort of canary in the coal mine that let you know where the left is headed and what they're trying to do
1: it seems pretty,
4: pretty open now They're not
1: even hiding it anymore. Yeah, I I'm, I'm having a bit of trouble hearing you. But there I think that. I got the I am too.
0: You're cu- you're cutting I, I think I got
1: the gist of the uh, of what you're trying to say. And yes. Yes, uh revolution no longer is a matter of blood in the streets. You can be, keep your hands clean uh and simply use words uh to influence people. And create change in your own interest.
3: Well, that's how we uh, we have now something called fake news, which really is mm-hmm. it, it is fake news, but they pass themselves off as real news.
1: Yes, yes.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Well, I'm. Bo- uh, you know, to add to that, I would only say. I mean, people associate the word "fake news" with Trump, but in fact, um, he—he's the result of a long process uh, coming from the academic world. Again, I would say that there's a you know the movement called postmodernism, which has been gur in academic circles uh, for 40 years. Um, and one of the basic ideas is that there's no such thing as truth. There's only our truth and your truth. And so if truth is what they say, they call it a social construction, uh, which is um, created by one group in order to oppress other groups, so that all of, there's no such thing as truth. There are only power <laughs> Power movements, power relations—that's where truth lies. Well, you know something; Uh, the end result is exactly what we have now.
0: So, you say that that men are are actually being prejudiced against by these other groups?
1: Yes, I do. That's exactly what I say, and I'm not saying that in order to um shield men from uh legitimate uh, accusations i mean men are ordinary people they're not perfect uh i'm i'm but i am saying that this culture may, has made it extremely difficult to be a man especially a good man it's easier to, it's easier to dump on people like this uh this guy cruz call him a monster, um, uh, say that he represents toxic masculinity, um, but and we need to protect society from people like him. But I say, what we need to protect is boys in general and men. That's what we need to do. Right. We need to care but about them. We,
0: should, should, right, right, right. And, and the first step should we we um organize that's what I'm trying to say like um, have them form into a group and you know and and then then they can work on their interests or share their common interests
1: well yes that's I how mean both sure
0: have started
1: yes but that's all
0: part ahead, of it. do we go ahead like the feminists they they put everything into legislation, and, you know, somehow trickles in there. So yes. we have to do the same thing for men.
1: Well, I don't know. I, my, own, my own hunch is that we need laws not to protect any one group, but laws that reinforce uh, and support uh, equality. Now, in Canada, of course, one of the things that went wrong is that uh, everybody said, oh, equality is a wonderful thing. But what does equality mean? Well, in the uh, American system, at least historically, equality meant equality of opportunity. But that's not good enough for many people now. They want equality of result. Uh, They call it substantive equality. Now, how do you measure result? Well, you do it with numbers and stats. And so you count up how many women are in this job and how many men are in that job. And if they're not exactly equal, then you have to have government interventions to ensure it. Never mind that the reason for differences in the numbers Uh, might have something to do with the choices that men and women make, which are not always the same, because frankly, men and women are not all the same. They're not interchangeable, and so uh, if you allow human freedom and place that in a context of equal opportunity, then the result will be what people want, not what ideologues believe should be the result. Now, maybe women do work more part-time. They do, in fact, work part-time much more often than men do because they have other priorities. They have families, maybe, uh, that that uh, they want to spend time with their families. Maybe that's not as much of a priority for men. But, of course, the result is that they're going to mm-hmm. earn less overall than men. Right.
3: But this whole this whole thing, I remember as a kid, I mean, my mother... Was a homemaker, and my dad was the one who went to work, and I used to see all the the shows from the fifties that basically was it resembled the same family structure that I had growing up. Right, right. And then, and then, once the eighties and the nineties started, everything started to change. Where basically there were a lot of more. House husband house fathers, and in, in 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 the time when when my dad was a father, where they were all out there working. So, what do you that transformation? That had to be planned. That that just that didn't happen just by 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 clicking and saying, "Well, it's going to happen now." Was it? Was this? Has this been pre-planned in some way?
1: Oh, I no, I don't think I don't think it's been pre-planned. I I'm not a fan of conspiracy theories. Right. Um Things happen. Mm-hmm. Economic changes happen, and people try to to deal with those things. I'm
3: um, not I'm not I'm not I'm not a, I'm not a conspiracy either. But I'm I, I, one one thing I am as I got oh, I've gotten older. I'm very cynical, and very very uh, skeptical. Skeptical also yeah and and I see things differently than when i when I was twenty or twenty or thirty years old, so right drastically. people may say conspiracy, but it's just part of you know you're you're tired of the bullshit <laughs> yeah yeah and and, and, it, and it come, you come to realize that you know they're b s BSing you
1: yes yes so. well, and I think that there there was a a tremendous increase in in public cynicism in the '60s, because of things like the Vietnam War, and, uh, and scandals, and and people began to think, you know, what's going on here? You know, who's who's good and who's bad, and how do we know this and how do we know that? Maybe people didn't land on the moon. Maybe it was all done in a studio. Um, yeah, I, I it's I, I think that cynicism has increased. It's like a a layer of pollution that just lies on top of everything. Um right. I mean I've become somewhat cynical and I don't s say that uh I'm embarrassed to have to say that because I don't like cynicism. Right. Nita. Mm-hmm.
0: Nita.
4: These mm-hmm. boys They have no fathers um, no more.
0: Doc- uh, okay yeah, hold on Cisco, we're actually running out of time. Um you have so we'll a website or some place for yeah. people to go to find out information?
1: Well uh Okay, I'll tell you. First of all, my the books are on Amazon, so they're easy to find. Um I published an article that deals with me too. Um and my main point in that is to make is to is to link sexual harassment with what I call identity harassment. And I've said enough that you should know what that's about by now. Um okay, now and you that finish.
0: Also, send me the link and, I'll, and I
1: can put it. I can up. send it to you. Of course, I'll do that. Um, and then you can read a book by Warren Farrell called The Boy Crisis. That's an excellent book. Okay. Um, um. Also, I'll send you the link to the site of the Canadian Association for Equality because. Its approach is really good. And, you know, you can just take a look at the mission statement and some of the activities that are going on. Um, and that's one of the few really encouraging things. Oh, and there's another site called A Voice for Men, which I am, uh, I've am i been very ambivalent about it because they have tended, at least in the past, to uh, to allow members to say things uh, that, you know, are, let's say, a little too much ranting. However, in this okay. most recent, there's an article on that site that okay. is about the Florida okay. shootings, and it's great.
0: Site is out of time.
1: Okay. How do okay. I reach you?
0: Okay, you can send it to Cisco.
1: Okay, what's the, what's um, the email address?
0: Uh, okay, I'll give you my email address: future at outlook. dot com.
1: Students for a better future.
0: A better future at outlook. dot com. Um, and, and Outlook. Yep. dot com.
1: Okay. And
0: Cisco. Um, since we're out of time, do you want to do a closure?
1: I'd love
0: to. All right. Uh, okay, I think we lost them um folks, um,
1: I'm here. We are
0: out of time. Oh, yeah, I think I lost Cisco. Cisco, are you there?
3: I'm here. I'm here. I'll do the closing. Yeah. So basically okay, one of the things one of the things that I wanna mention is that the uh, we had an incident in, in Florida last week and that incident has really backfired on the FBI, law enforcement.
1: Yeah.
3: and that particular party that is opposed to citizens having their guns. It's all backfire. It's coming back to haunt yeah. them. But as yeah. Americans, we will continue to fight for that Second Amendment right that we have, and we will defeat our enemies. Have a great night. God bless them. Thank you
1: very much. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Yep. Thank right. you have God. a great And folks, we're out until next week. Yeah. Thank you.